Hi, everyone. We have a quick announcement before the show today. SmartLogic, the custom software shop behind this very podcast, is hiring for a mid-level Rails or Elixir developer. Our team is fully remote and this position is open to applications from anywhere in the United States. You can read the full job description and apply at smartlogic.io slash jobs. Okay, now on to the show. Welcome to Elixir Wizards, everybody. Now that we've been talking for one minute and 34 seconds, welcome. <laughs> I am Alex Housand. Amos, it's great to meet you for the first time virtually. You too. Hopefully all this will get over with and we'll be able to meet in person one of these days. One day. One day soon, I hope. Sandy, thank you for joining me as my lovely co-host, as usual. You're welcome. It was a struggle to be here, but we made it through. We love computers. It wouldn't be a Thursday without a struggle. <laughs> thank you for the production assistance. Yep. Do what I can. I appreciate you, sir. I really, really do. So, okay, I'm just going to like dive on in Amos, Missouri. Yes. Yes. Not Kansas. <laughs> not Kansas, but like you're close. Yeah. Five minutes, maybe. There's a border right there. So my question is, why is the Kansas City airport the worst airport? Oh, worst airport or best airport is, is like the real question. If you get stuck in that airport, there is nothing to do. But if you have to fly out of that airport, you can show up about 10 minutes before your flight because it's so small. You don't have to run anywhere. And the average time in line for them to check your ID and all that, what is that called? Security check is like less than two minutes. I'm getting old and senile. I can't remember the name of anything. It's been a long time since we flew. <laughs> I will say the security element is great, but the like space element of that airport is trash. If there's more than 10 people in that airport, it feels like you are trapped in a closet. They're building a new one. I heard. They already got rid of one terminal and uh, their hope is to, there are international flights here, which is really funny from how small the airport is. So they're wanting to add more of those and make it nice. People are on one side or the other of that because they know that security is going to get worse. So around here, like all the business owners want it to be a nice airport to draw more business. And everybody else is is really sad because <laughs> they like showing up at the airport five minutes before their flight. Yeah. At Reagan, we have this one terminal that feels like timeout. It's like, I don't know, Alex, if you've ever had to go to this one, it's like 28A or something. It's the only terminal that has like a letter after it. And it's like you go off to the side. It's off of even it's feels gone. like the air conditioning isn't on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, they, yeah, yeah. And they got rid of it. And they like were built. But I remember when they were building it. And we yeah. were just like, my God, it was terrible. Like you had to line up at the terminal and then get on a bus to get yeah. to your plane. Like, and then you walked onto the plane through like steps and stuff. 33X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. For all of the like teeny tiny regional jets. Yeah. You're going Ohio yeah. or Ohio. <laughs> Greenville, South Carolina. My dad called that terminal the the great equalizer because he was like nobody's in first class if you're in 33x they're all shoving you onto the bus it doesn't matter who you are mm -hmm. so we did lose that element but we did no. gain a new terminal i haven't seen it i haven't been to an airport in like three thousand years but uh one day you're not missing much you look surprisingly young for your age <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> So Amos, you know, speaking of travel, are you are you thinking about Elixir Conf? Is that is that in the cards for you? I am going. Cross my fingers. I hope that they still have it. I'm probably not a very good masker. 
I'm going to admit this publicly. This is probably bad. Uh, ever since I got my shot, you know, I went through this whole like COVID fear, then COVID. Okay, we got this. And now I'm at COVID. I don't give a crap. Like I'm done. And and so I just try to avoid people. <laughs> I remember when we were chatting earlier this year and we were, I think it was the day you got your vaccine and you were like, I did this so I could go to Luxor Conf. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Texas, barbecue, Luxor folks. I mean, no, in theory, sounds like a great time. Very but excited. Like barbecue in Texas or barbecue in the Midwest? Where do your loyalties lie? Mm-hmm. But I gotta know. We're here with an outlaw, you know? It's really more of venue, single venue than regional. I mean, if I have to pick a regional barbecue sauce, I'm going to go Southeast, like Carolina barbecue sauce, that that mustardy based sauce. I love those. So yeah, mustard, mustard-based barbecue sauces and spicy barbecue sauces. I don't like barbecue sauces that taste like brown sugar. That's really kind of my only. There's some places here in Kansas City that are absolutely amazing and I would eat at them every day. And then there's other ones that I could throw it all away. And I feel the same way when I go to Texas or anywhere else. Here's what I really want to know. Do they have a pulled pork sandwich? It's just got to be tender. And I, I like sausage. So barbecue places that serve like jalapeno sausages. Oh, I'm in. Hmm. okay. I feel like that's probably more attainable in a Texas style barbecue. Oh, they've, they've always got it here. But maybe Everybody I'm wrong. Has, has, a, has some kind of sausages. I mean, the well, West wasn't one on salad. Right. So, <laughs> true. Amos, let us know when that uh, airport's finished, and maybe we'll we'll show up. <laughs> <laughs> Come visit, just for barbecue. I so. mean, I think that would be fun—a barbecue tour of the U.S. taken by train, obviously. Come on, bring it. You you can you can work it at uh, my office. There's always space. I'll let you come in. Just just sit down, and start working. When there's internet. When there's mm-hmm. internet. Yeah, that's true. We have really good internet when there's internet. We have gig up and gig down. So your office space, you you kept that all through COVID. Was that a? Are you guys like back in the office, or you, did you go fully remote? What's going on there? I am in the office. I'm in a co-working space, and everybody has their own office in there. So you don't really see a lot of people. Um, most of COVID, nobody came into the office. When I realized that, I started coming in all the time because it was the only one here and I uh, was tired of working at home. But I did spend the first three months at home and then I spent the next like six or eight months being the only one in the office. Was that lonely? It was lonely. I'm a people person. It was really lonely. But yeah. you had so many, so many uh, conversations with Keithley and Anna, you know, on Elixir Outlaws. You were never That's alone. That's true. With once a week. <laughs> Are we ever really alone? <laughs> Yeah, you had the you had the Pope across the way. I do. I no, the Pope is in my office. So across the the office oh. on the other side of the building <laughs> for me, they have a life size cutout of like teenage Justin Bieber. Oh. And so I got a cutout of the Pope and put a little sign yeah. up that says Hey Biebs. Oh, and uh, the the lady that that's in that office, she she's awesome. Uh, it was up for like a year before she said anything, and then the first thing she says to me is. You know, I saw your Pope over there. I think the Pope and Biebs would get along because he's a Christian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, hi, I'm Amos. <laughs> I didn't know where to go from there. Like, thank you. So You're probably right. 
So we've learned that your office has been open, that you've been there, that Bieber's across the street and the Pope's in, in-house. But uh, what what is your... Uh, what is your? And we have no mask ordinance. No mask ordinance either. So do you want to maybe speak a little to like, now that we know everything about your, your company, except for like your company name and like what you do, you want to <laughs> dive right in? <laughs> yeah, sure. So my company is called Binary Noggin. We build software for people all over working with hugely different size companies we've worked with you know right now we have clients we have ford as a client and then we have a company called billy that we're working with that they are only three people in the company so hugely different sizes yeah got some fun people to work with i get to work with uh connor rigby every day he's like so much fun to work with he's always got some crazy side idea up his sleeve too with some hardware project got another developer chad fennel who I know nobody knows that name, uh, but he's he's awesome to work with. But when when everyone will know that name, you heard it here first. Yeah, that's right. Big shout out to Chad. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you come up with the name Binary Noggin? I mean, like we all know what a noggin is, right? But it, it's two heads. So uh, we do a lot of pair programming, and then also just working side by side with our customers. We meet every single morning with our customers. We run retrospectives every week with our customers. And so it was just the two heads are better than one thing. My wife hated the name. She thought it sounded like a kid's TV show. And then... It could also be a great kid's TV show. It it would be. After a year or two, she's like, I kind of love it. I think it's because of Cat Dog. uh, Cat Cat Dog? dog. (laughs) It got the same vibe. I I think it was... There's a kid's... (laughs) state i think it's a tv station called noggin you're right there is mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think that's why she thought it was a kid show that's reasonable did she have any other like ideas for the name or was she just like i don't like it i i just came home and said i changed the company name <laughs> what was it before and that was it a king software development and consulting huh but it was just me. I think then. earlier in the season, someone said, never name a company after yourself because everybody wants that person to work with the clients. Yeah, that was Francesco. Yeah, on Erling Solutions. Yeah. <laughs> He's totally correct. I, I had never heard that before he said it. So I would have never sense. thought of it. When I started, it was for side work anyway. And it wasn't supposed to be like a full time. Yeah, that's true. Like most people, when they want to start off with side work to protect themselves, they they create an LLC. So they're not liable for, you know, themselves being sued out of their, you know, whatever, whatever is legal, legal. I can't, I can't, I'm not giving legal advice. Jargon, <laughs> Disclaimer. But yeah, a lot of my friends who do side work will do an LLC of, and, and it's of their names, like Sunday Mint LLC or whatever, so that they can do the work without being personally liable. And then that's usually what happens there. So I, yeah, that's fair. At what point did it stop being side work and it became full time? 2013, actually on my birthday, it was August 24th, so we're coming up on it again. I had switched jobs and a previous client from the old job, their project manager had left the company he was at and he called me and said, I loved working with you. You're, you put together a good team, you work hard, you're, you're honest, and I want you to come work for me and put together a team. And I said, mm, I'm thinking of starting my own company. And he said, that's fine. You can get five subcontractors, five employees. I don't care. Just bring a whole team. And so my first contract going out on my own was two years, five developers. We made it 18 months and they lost a $3 million contract. And so then they gave us, they our contract, I think, said that we needed 10 days notice. 
and they gave us six weeks notice. And then they asked one of the other developers and myself, they spent the next six weeks trying to talk us into staying as employees. Uh, but the entrepreneur bug had bitten and I knew what I wanted to do. And I, I also didn't want to work. I, I think I didn't really want to work on a single project on a single project for a long time. So even though I'd been there two years, like most of my contracts are a year or more. So I said no. And the other guys, actually, my brother-in-law still works for them today. Amazing. So how big are you now? Like you, you had five engineers at the time. After that, it went down to just me. They were all subcontractors. And then over the years, I, I ran the company with cash only, no loans, no investors, nothing. And in the last two years, it's gone from two to 10 if you count the subcontract. I have two subcontractors and then there's eight of us in the company. So COVID's not not been bad for me. I mean, I feel like that's been kind of the weird, there's been a weird thing where certain industries like service industries, right, have really suffered. But then other, like the tech industry is kind of booming. As long as you're not in the intersection of tech and service, as Alex and I know. <laughs> yes, like in food. Amos, what has it been like to be a CEO like in COVID? Has it been harder? Well, at first it was scary. And I was planning on hiring right at the beginning. I was about to hire. And then I said, uh-oh, I don't know what's going to happen. We, we need to put the brakes on this. And then I wish I had hired because we would probably be at like 14 now, <laughs> I bet, because things picked up. I think a lot of it too was people being at home. There's a lot of new startups. People being at home and bored boredom makes creativity. And I think people had ideas for products or they were like, I'm at home, I'm just going to start this side business. Uh, and a lot of people want to make applications as their side business that know nothing about it. So there were a lot more job and queries than I thought there would be. I think everybody wanted to pick up some kind of hobby. A lot of people capitalized on it. There were probably a lot of YouTube channels started in this time. I know I thought about it personally and then I was like, I, I know I'm going to get into something creative, but if I monetize on it, it's going to like drain all of my energy. So I just like pointedly went the art route for all my, my side stuff. That's cool though. That's fun. Like doing something different. My daughter's a digital graphic designer. And so, see, I can't even get words right today. <laughs> Internet's down. I can't do anything. She's a graphic designer and, and like seeing her draw and, and watching all that come together as I... I don't know. I'm a little envious of her. Don't tell her. But she listens to all of your podcasts and affiliated podcasts, correct? I don't think she listens to the affiliated ones, but she does the transcripts for Elixir Alpha. Oh, so. that is a Fancy. good child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she gets paid. She's she's in her senior year of college. Mm -hmm. And uh and she she does the transcripts. And so there's a lot of her her university, college university. I don't know, whatever it's called. Words. Uh, it's college. There are non-developers who walk around and quote Keith Lee all the time now. <laughs> Hold on, I need a second to recover. Yeah. That's yeah. really fabulous. Does he know this? <laughs> yes, it's funny. They, uh, some of the early episodes, I don't know if you guys know about foot marbles, but... Keith Lee had to do some uh, he, he had to do some PT and he had to pick up marbles with his feet and they were like covered in jelly or something. And he talked about his foot marbles. And so all these uh, college kids, we walk around and they're like foot marbles and they yeah. just say it to each other. And Ew. it's so weird. And they're like music students. Then we'll see it on TikTok and we'll know where it came from. <laughs> yeah, you could make merch. 
you could just sell T-shirts that say foot marbles. Mm-hmm. People foot marbles. Would, people would buy them. It's like a big, big foot on it. <laughs> yeah. Singular. One foot. Just one foot, though. Not not feet. That's right. One one big foot and, and two marbles. Man. PT. Wild. I'm over here and I'm like kind of clenching my toes just thinking about how to pick up a marble. <laughs> an invisible marble that I'm imagining right now. Especially if it's covered in like jelly or yeah. oil. To make it harder. Yeah. I sprained my ankle twice and I feel like that was not any part of PT for me. Like resistance bands. They didn't even do PT. I, I sprang mine and was on crutches for six months and they're like, all right, have a good day. <laughs> I went to PT because they told me I could wear crutches for a week and then I was good. So I listened to the doctor and it was back on my feet in a week. And then two months later I was in PT because apparently that's too soon. Disclaimer, I'm not giving medical advice. <laughs> <laughs> We don't today. give out legal advice. We do not give out financial advice. We certainly do not give out medical advice on this new podcast. If your doctor says go to PT, maybe do it. I feel weird, Alex, with you calling me CEO, though, uh, even though that, I guess, is my title. I Some places have, have alternate titles. We, we, don't, we don't subscribe. It's my logic to the C-suite. There's, there's also something weird to like thinking of yourself at the top of a hierarchy, I think, right? Where you're like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I feel more like I, I write software every day. I work with clients every day. We're such a small company that I'm really wearing every hat. And so, I don't know. I'm still a developer. Do you think there will be a day where you're not? I don't know. The idea of that makes me sad. But I think there probably is going to be a day whenever I'm at least not like working full time on client projects. It's really exhausting working full-time on client projects, trying to find projects, which I'm not good at. And, and then like furthering learning, uh, just, you know, like that play learning too, where you go write your own software or like even throw away things. Like I, I barely have time for that anymore. I push really hard on it. Now that my kids are getting older, that time is coming back, but I'm also getting older. So (laughs) it's never too late. (laughs) <laughs> after after my brother and I went to college, my dad just went into full on hiking, like caveman mode. He just goes hiking every weekend. He travels now around the world to go hiking and crazy places, Iceland, Arizona, whatever. I think that's going to be me. My my youngest is 13. She'll turn 14 in November. And I think that my wife and I will be out and doing. We already like to. We like to hike and bike and get going. But I still love to write software. So I'm sure that I'll be doing that. I'll I'll work on internal tools if I have to, like whatever. <laughs> yeah, times was kind of interesting for my parents actually. Now I think about it, because like you're you're kind of dis- de- uh, describing the empty nest situation. My parents, you know, I've been gone for for years and years, and my brother was in college. He just graduated this past May, but in in January, um, you know, I'm in DC, and I went I went home for a few weeks at the beginning of the year for reasons, um, and I just didn't want to be in the capital. And uh, so I was home for three weeks and it was just like the four of us as a family together for three whole weeks. And we hadn't been like that since I, before I, I guess when I graduated high school, I, I didn't go back after college. And, you know, at one dinner I, I said to my parents, you remember when you guys were empty nesters? Was that hard? <laughs> Living at home with my family for uh, three weeks? Yeah. I think my cat made it okay. Okay. My threshold's like a week to 10 days, depending. <laughs> it was just like depends. not... 
it was it was fine i think um it was actually kind of nice uh because uh, other people cooked usually i i cook yeah. and other people cooked so we rotated cooking that was great as of today my parents are empty nesters they are moving my youngest brother into college and my mom did call me earlier and i missed her call and it was probably her calling to cry on the phone because she's really sad about moving my brother into college so oh, no i am going to need to call her back but you could, if you're interested in doing this. So my dad, when he retires, he's also a software engineer. Um, his dream in life is to like learn how to retrofit RVs, whatever. So maybe you could, maybe you and him could join up, and you could both learn how to retrofit RVs, and you could come up with like a retrofit RV company. Eric has some ways to go on the empty nesting situation, but he also looks interested right now. <laughs> This is truly all he talks about. Eric, your kid is too young for you to think about empty nesting yet. <laughs> We're not thinking of empty nesting so much as getting a camping trailer to have a fun childhood for him. That's the the current path. You're going to have feel like you're going to need to do it sooner rather than later because at one point in my childhood, I think I was probably like 12 or 13, my mom said, "What if we rented an RV and I took you all out of school for a year?" We traveled around the country and I homeschooled you. And I said, absolutely not. Well, you will yeah, not homeschool. Not, not at 13. Absolutely. <laughs> I refuse to do this. <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking more within the next like six months to a year. And I, I do remember as a kid, one of my friends, uh, their his parents had a like a camper that they would pop up uh, and we would like do sleepovers in. So there's like, I don't know, preparation for that. And, and like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm ready. It's, it's, it's going to be fun. Like, I, <laughs> I moved out of the house and then my parents got an RV. <laughs> they're like, they're like now that you're not putting the tent up. Fun times. Yes. I don't ever want to own an RV though. Sorry guys. If that's something in your, in your future. This, this does sound like an outlaws podcast. We're halfway through and haven't really talked about tech. This is awesome. We talked about Elixir Conf, That's, so okay. we just kind of like snapped it in there. <laughs> we could talk about the tech related in RVs. Wait, we talked to somebody who's doing that, and they are using yeah, nerds and, I, and, I'll it, say, and I'm this completely is a, forgetting who that was. In their RV? They're retrofitting um, like a an van? Airstream or something. Oh, who cool. Yeah. Do you remember? Is it Connor? Ah, oh, I talked to somebody. Somebody said they were putting nerves in it. Oh. Airstreamers are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope I'm not making this up. <laughs> we're we're going to get a, if you're not it sounds good. A teardrop camper I think so our not pickup truck can pull it. You could get one of those Subaru pop-ups. Oh, I yeah, I've They go I've on seen... the top of your car and they go bloop. <laughs> Have you seen the Tesla pickup truck camper? That one Is it that ugly? looks like an alien. So somebody that 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 Tesla pickup truck looks creepy already. And then somebody is creating a camper. For, you can get a camper for it that goes in the back. It's fifty thousand. I mean, pennies, pennies. No, just buy a house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, you know what would be fun? Like a, I, I thought about this before. Like an elixir road trip. Like I'm not a road. I've never aspired to go on a road trip. But if I did. I would want to go to like Tennessee and see Bruce and then like go down to Louisiana and check out the gig elixir people and like gig gig elixir is Bruce in Tennessee. I'm sorry. Big not elixir. gig, big, big, oh gosh. Big, big elixir. elixir. Yeah. Okay, there we go. I was like, I'm, I forgot who it was. Louisiana. 
Uh, so Ke- Keith Lee is also like down the road from Bruce. I never remembered that Keith Lee lives in a in a state. He just sort of lives in the internet to me. So we're, so he's in Tennessee. Is that what it is? It's true. <laughs> yeah, he he lives in the same town as Bruce. You can just go by and okay. throw water balloons at his All house. Right. That way. sounds good. <laughs> I'll, I'll hang out with Bruce and then I'll throw water balloons at Keith Lee. That's the plan. Perfect. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Be like, these are from Amos and just hit him with the water balloon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, an Alexa road trip. And then, you know, we've we've talked with people, you know, I'm sure you have as well, like all over the world, Elixir. Uh, although I, I was thinking recently, there's, is it London or Paris? One of the Elixirs out in Europe just sounds like a really cool place to, to go. And I still have these these airline credits because I, I was trying to go to France to, to oh, visit yeah. my brother while I was, while he was in study abroad. And then I had to cancel because you know, the world. And so I was just thinking, Oh, that would be fun to use them for an elixir trip or like it, not a, not official one, but you know, to go, to go visit elixirists all over the world. That'd be so cool. You could bring water balloons and throw them at Jose in Poland. <laughs> yes. I, I would love to. Hi, Jose. Nice to meet you. I've never <laughs> talked to you before in my life. Here's a water balloon. Can you imagine going through TSA and they're like, why do you have all these water balloons? Don't worry about they're it. They're not filled up. It's fine. Less than two ounces of water. <laughs> right. Not a weapon. There's no water involved yet. Don't worry about it. I found out recently on my most recent flight that you can actually bring like knitting needles with you on an airplane. You can bring mm. like embroidery stuff. Had no idea. I believe that is that is per uh, TSA agent. My wife has both gotten it through and taken on flight. So it's it's like per. You can't bring a little agent. pocket knife, but you can bring a. <laughs> Bare knitting needles that are eight inches long. <laughs> a fun fact about what you can bring on that always shocks people when I tell them is you can always check your figure skates through. People always think of that as like kind of crazy. I don't, I am a figure skater. So I like know that the blade is not sharp. It's not a knife blade. It's like actually half an inch across. So it actually would be more blunt than anything. <laughs> Yeah, but Tom Tom Hanks used it as an axe, and so uh, that's true. <laughs> we could have a whole podcast episode about lies, figure skating movies. Tell you. <laughs> is not is I was gonna say is hockey skates. God, are hockey skates sharp? Then so so they're they're both sharp, but um, only on certain edges. Like, mm. but they're not razor thin blades like knives are. So that's My why fear- people always think. Yeah, my fear going ice skating as a kid, because they always give you like the shitty hockey skates, was that I was going to fall and then somebody was going to just go Floop, and like cut off my fingers. Right. Are you and telling so, me this isn't possible? It's not possible. I'm not saying it won't hurt. I have been okay. stepped on by blades before, ice blades. Yeah. Um, it hurts the same amount as a person stepping on your f- on your hand would, would hurt uh, in a concentrated way. Mm-hmm. Um we should have done like a content warning, um, but it it will not do any kind of like lasting damage. <laughs> yeah, we could do a whole podcast episode about my injuries, of which somebody oh would God. not participate. I will not be here. Get I will out. not be here for that episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, actually, so the Elixir Conf location is attached to an ice rink. And so I thought about it. I was like, hmm, I will Oh, the one probably. in Austin? Mm-hmm. The weird That's the why weird it's so cold. Center. That's why it's so cold. The Nora Center or whatever, it's it's attached to an ice rink. I'll go I skating. I thought about it. I was like, let's do it. I thought 
I thought that'd be so fun. Um, and then I just realized that I'm, I'm actually going back to figure skating now. And that if something happened to my skates while I was traveling, that would literally be the worst thing. So I'm just going to leave them here. So don't, maybe don't bring your own skates, but then have a sponsored elixir comp skate night mm-hmm. and everybody will rent skates and mm-hmm. you all, you all do some laps, maybe put on some throwback tunes. Pop In out which case I would ball. bring my own skates. I can't wear rentals. I mean, if you don't want to lose your skates, then don't. I'll just tie them, them to me. Skate. I'll just tie them to me. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of an equivalent. You can't. I can't wear. Uh, I just don't know how to explain this. <laughs> you just can't wear other skates after. You can't even wear somebody else's skates. Good skates. You have to wear the ones that you have. I don't know. Yeah, that's like point shoes. Yeah you know other kind of disciplines but anyway so yes i did think it would be fun have like an elixir ice skating night of course you know during covid nobody really wants to do that (laughs) or even if they wanted to do that to begin with but um you know good good stuff i've been dying to get back to a roller rink but you know i miss society (laughs) i know (laughs) <laughs> I really know it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, I have a question about Missouri and Kansas. Okay. More tech questions. I got it. Let's see. It. <laughs> yeah. Yes. How much do you love Dairy Queen? Um, Slash do you I love haven't Dairy been Queen? to Dairy Queen in a really long time. Uh, my wife does not like soft okay. serve. So why? My wife doesn't like soft serve. Yeah. Uh, um. I I grew up on Dairy Queen and there's this this thing that isn't even at every Dairy Queen I found out. I thought it was like everywhere. It's we called it a kitty cone. And it's you, do you know what a dip cone is? Yeah, okay, so it's like that, but instead of being dipped in chocolate, they have like this cereal and they roll it in this cereal and it's got like like rice and milk bar didn't create this? No. No. It's been around forever. <laughs> Milk bar stole and, it from Dairy. And Queen. if you look up, if you look up Kitty Cone online, you'll find whole websites dedicated to which Dairy Queen serve Kitty Cone. <laughs> but it's like a the show notes for this episode uh, is going to be great. It's awesome. It's so good. <laughs> Love is real. Uh, and and the Dairy Queen in my hometown also had butterscotch dip cones, which none of the other Dairy Queens I ever found Ooh. had. And they were amazing. They look gross. It's like this big yellow cone, but it is amazing. Yeah, ba- a bad color, but a delicious treat. I have no idea. I haven't Ooh. been back to my hometown in probably 10 years. Huh. Where's your hometown? Carlinville, Illinois. Ooh. For some reason, it feels familiar, but... It's about 60 miles north of St. Louis. It's got 5,000 people. And I lived most of my childhood there, a little bit in Los Angeles and, and a lot there. Illinois and Los Angeles, very different places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was, yeah. Farm town, Illinois and Los Angeles. I went to, I went to junior high in Los Angeles. Oof. That's where my dad lived and my mom lived what in Illinois. What an age to make that transition from Illinois to LA junior high? It was my choice. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Did you, wow. did you like both? I did. I did for different reasons. It, yeah, it was. I can see that. It was great to have things at your fingertips, although we had a lot at our fingertips that we just never did. <laughs> it's like there, but you just don't go do it. So yeah, you just like don't touch it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But it was versus the make your own fun of 
farm town usa that's right we just feel like tracked through the woods all the time and rode our bikes everywhere yeah right got up Um, to no good oh yeah i'm what have you i'm not sure what the statute of limitations are on a lot of that stuff but (laughs) (laughs) generic got up to no good that's right right. (laughs) yeah yeah Amos, I do. I want to ask you. I, I think we we briefly talked about it. It was about this late in the episode too <laughs> on your on your show about if you knew about the origin story about our beam magic theme. No. Okay, so we it was real late in that episode because I, I think I did mention it, but um, you you're the inspiration. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, here we are at the finale. We're wrapping up Beam Magic. And Ow. I just wanted to tell you, you know, you tweeted about how magic is really just not understanding a thing. And then once you understand the thing, it's not magic anymore. Yeah. That's true. And you tweeted that right or right <clears throat> in between seasons. So, you know, spoiler alert for people out there who who want to influence the podcast. They just have to start tweeting in between our seasons yeah. and then <laughs> hashtag my elixir status. We'll see it. Just say <laughs> random things on the internet. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amos, do you remember what prompted that tweet? If you remember it at all. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I, I do hear I hear a lot of people complain about, you know, like Rails or some other framework and all of the magic that's involved in it. And you know, I, I to some people, you have what you know, you turn on your water. And it's magic that where the, where the water comes from. No idea. I turn this knob, water comes out and then it disappears through a hole and everything that happens below that hole is magic. But if you look underneath the sink, there's like a trap there. So if you drop something, it's not gone. You can probably get it back. Things like that. And those are magic to, to some people. And the same thing with any, any technology, anything that you, when you don't understand how it works and it just works, that's magic. Uh, the closest thing I can come up with to magic is whenever something happens that is not expected or you didn't have to type it in, but that's really what every abstraction is, right? Like I pull these things up to functions and name them so that I don't have to think about the internals and how they work. Uh, you, you know, like, like an agenda, you look at a gen server, right? And what's, what's happening in the background of that gen server. I have these callbacks. Well, where are they being called? Like that it all kind of seems magical uh, a little bit. You get you get a a little understanding because you have to do you know genserver.call and you're like oh that's going to go to my handle call function and it feels like that's pretty straightforward but there's a lot happening in that background uh, and so that can feel like magic anything with a callback I think often feels like magic because of where this is happening but if you open it up and look around it's all there it's all right in front of you. Um, and maybe maybe you have to spend some time reading documentation, reading other pieces of code, and your understanding can get there to where that no longer seems like magic, but something else will. And and it all just depends on your level of comfort with whatever technology you're working with. And sometimes some you can get away with never knowing about that magic. I still get water. I don't have to run a water treatment plant to get clean water. I just get clean water. <laughs> Similarly, do you think that a lot of Elixir developers consider the beam magic? 
Or do you think in your experience, a lot of them actually like try to dig into what it is? Uh, A little bit of both. Um, It's the funny thing is, is I see a lot of people that that came from like rails and saying that they switched to elixir because they didn't like the magic in rails. And they, there's a lot of the same kind of magic in Phoenix and gen servers. And some of those people still don't dig in, but they feel like it's more explicit. Um, and in some, some ways, certain things are more explicit, but not all of them. And the whole like tracing things from a router down is exactly the same as as it was in in rails versus phoenix you have to like try to there are certain things that are just conventions Uh, that's i I think where the most things called magic are Uh, i do find though once a developer has to reach out and start to create their own supervision trees like if they're not doing a phoenix project if they're working on a nerves project as soon as you have to start doing your own gen servers and supervisor trees then people start to dig in a lot and try to i guess understand the magic and see what's going on in the background have you ever thought about talking about this in front of um say a conference um but simultaneously maybe wearing like a a, a wizard outfit <laughs> <laughs> I would totally wear just a wizard be, outfit and talk about theme. this. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, I I would do that. I I have not thought about talking about this in in front of a conference. I usually so like this year I'm speaking at ElixirConf um, as long as it happens, I guess. And I I usually like like I one of my coworkers said you should you should give a talk on this. And so I wrote down the title and never really expected it to get picked. And now I'm like, Oh crap, that's not even what I'm passionate about. Like it's cool, but it's not what I'm passionate about. But only 70% uh, of us know how you feel. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote a title. It got accepted. Oh no. That was actually my, my, so the first Elixir based conference I ever did was Elixir days in Florida. And I submitted a talk and it was more of a curiosity that I had versus a skill that I had. And I was like, what if you wrote a whole app with no database? Just kept it in memory just as an experiment, not because I think that's feasible in any way whatsoever. Don't do that. Uh, and and so I I wrote this thing about you know, the database is not your friend. And then they picked it. And I was like, oh, crap. Now I actually have to learn how to do this. <laughs> Yeah. So your your talk this uh this Elixir Conf is I think I looked at the website but I'm not recalling right now. It's it's um I forget the title of it exactly. Br- brittle acceptance test got you down. It's about Wallaby and um how brittle that that you know front end tests that run everything all the way down they require timing. Um so a lot of it is is about the brittleness of a test suite and I'll just, I'll just give it away and encapsulating functionality into named functions, right? Instead of saying, fill in this field, fill in, fill in this field, press login, fill in this field, fill in this field, fill in this field, and having that in 10 different tests. This feels, uh, awfully like capybara or cucumber steps. Oh, probably, probably very similar. Um, but, instead of making the cucumber steps say fill in fill in fill in you change them or your your wallaby steps you change them and actually wrap them up into things like login done 
Like it'll do everything for you. And that way, when you change login from taking a username and password to uh, going through some different auth service, or you change it, the label from email to username, you don't have to change every single test. So that's, that's a lot of it. Uh, and then there's some other things dealing with timing. Timing sucks. I was just saying, I feel like there are a lot of testing talks this year, which is, which is pretty cool. I think when we had Jeffrey and Andrea on the authors of testing Elixir, they were both saying how they, they wish that there were more, more talks at conferences around testing. And I think we're seeing that this time around. Yeah, I like testing. <laughs> the more you know Talk about it, testing more. Yeah, I I do like the timing element of front end test. Like what you're talking about right now is just making me feel like a lot of I don't even know angst of changing one thing and then running your test suite, or like something took something took one second too long, and so your whole test suite's like, ooh, it timed out. Sorry. Yeah. Don't know what to tell you. And then that's the other thing you have to say. You said one second. Most people don't think of testing in like my test should not a step shouldn't take a second. Well, it it might if you're doing full integration tests and sometimes you really need them. I believe the answer to this is you just set your uh, database layer to infinity timeout, right? That's, that's true. Okay. I think I saw that somewhere. <laughs> Infinity timeouts all the way. I, I the default timeout in Elixir for Gen servers is, I guess it's the same in Erlang. Is way too long. Like, how often do you want something to run for? What is it? I think it's five seconds. Timeout three seconds. I don't remember. Now. Pretty sure it's five seconds. But that's way too long. Yeah, I really want it to be like a hundred milliseconds or less. But also, if you if you use the call timeout, you also have to deal with maybe the message comes back to you later. So I usually like to put those timeouts actually inside of the gen server itself and have the gen server check and say, hey, should I even send this back or send back a cancel? Leave leave the default to five seconds and then just never actually use it. it. What made you fall in love with Elixir? Mm. So my first introduction. Hard questions. No preparation. <laughs> no, first first uh, introduction was actually Erlang. Um, I had written. Uh, I had been part of a team. I shouldn't say I write. I didn't write this. This is a team effort. But we wrote chat software for the Navy, uh, and the server that we wrote was. Originally in Java, I don't even know if the Navy's using this because they do a lot of experiments, but it was originally in Java. Uh, and then I was no longer on the team and the team got to dealing with Federation and and stuff like that because they wanted multiple servers. And we did that in Java, but they wanted it to be better. And so they dug into Erlang and I got did you get to use Corba. Is that the, the Java remote stuff i don't ignore me so that was 2007 so uh when i was writing all the java so i barely remember i know our front end was the same thing that uh that eclipse is written on and i can't remember the name of it either but i hated it it was frustrating um so the gui that eclipse is built around was was super frustrating um we so when they changed it they used to have me come in and they'd ask me questions and I also helped them test it and um, was still good friends with like the team that was doing it. And so I got 
to see some Erlang, got pretty interested in it, read Joe's book um, from Pragmatic Press, and then played around with Erlang a little bit on the side, never did find any work doing it, even though the company I worked for at the time had, I think, two projects doing it. Um, and then when Elixir came out, I was I was doing a lot of Ruby at the time, too. So I'd seen Jose's work and and before and I thought, oh, this looks this is this is Erlang, but I can read it. <laughs> <laughs> which which is not I'm not attacking Erlang it was what I was used to and so that's that's what got me into it and I don't know the idea I, everything now to me is networked uh, you know all, all of our phones talking to each other front end applications are distributed systems whether people like to admit it or not and our, the beam is really good at it so I just kept digging in and really enjoying how the beam works and the how supervisors work and spinning up processes. And I've written C and C++ in the past and tried to do parallel things and threads and did Java that way too. And I didn't want to go back to that. And I think the actor model was just like, oh, oh, now I can understand what's going on. No more mutexes. I remember learning Java in college and thinking, I don't like this. And then learning C-sharp in my first job and also thinking, I don't like this. It's the same thing. <laughs> yes. And then my first Elixir job, I was like, this is nice. I like this a lot. It, it, part of it was like a, a feeling where you're like, this is easier to work in. It's nicer. I don't know. Yeah. But I never, I never want to program in C-sharp or Java ever again. It just actually occurred to me that a lot of the experiences that we have as developers, like professional developers who maybe took a course in college, we were either learning a language to pass a test or learning language to get a thing done for work. Uh, there are plenty of us, obviously, who like looked at other languages because we were interested in it and we were just like, oh, let me just tinker around. I didn't personally have a lot of that drive when I was like just out of college. And that just totally changes the the way that you see a language, I think, and can totally like flavor the way that you see it forevermore until you can find a way to see it. In it changes way. the way you write other languages too. That's the big thing that got me digging into languages was watching how, like when I learned Ruby, the way I wrote Java completely changed. And that, that blew my mind. Also like, Sunday, I feel for you, like not wanting to do that when you first got out of college. I, when I first got out of college, drove a hundred miles each way to work and I slept in the office twice a week. And so I had a lot of free time where I just listened to podcasts about programming um, because I'd listened to every song on the planet, I think twice in the first six months of driving. It, it just created curiosity because I would hear people talking in these podcasts about X language and some feature. And I was like, what What the heck does that even mean? And so I would I would go research it while I was sitting on a couch at 10 o'clock at night at my office. Yeah, I didn't discover podcasts until like more recent years. I think that would have been great for me back then, though, a passive way to hear about languages without the goal of taking a test or getting a feature in by a certain deadline, like that would have been great for me. Um, I didn't have this kind of commute. 20 minutes by bus. That was about it. 
<laughs> so, yeah. What uh, was your first job? Uh, so <laughs> it, it did not. It paid way more than anywhere where I lived. And did um, it pay a million dollars? So <laughs> I married somebody who was from the next town over from where I went to college. And we built a house there. And so I just drove and I, I had a stepdaughter. Um, I still have a stepdaughter. I didn't have a stepdaughter. I still have a stepdaughter. She's my baby. I love her. She's 21. Yeah, she's t- she's getting ready. To, she's going into her last year of college. Um, she's my my best friend, uh, other than my wife. She's amazing. I love her to death. Um, like any parent, though, she frustrates the heck out of me too. <laughs> um, so I did. We didn't want to move away from her dad, who was there. And so from 2007 to 2013, I drove 100 miles each way. It's probably the best thing that ever. It was like the best thing that ever happened in my career. And when I when I first stopped driving, I missed it. Like the next weekend, like I had not driven for a week, and we got up in the morning, and my wife's like, "You look restless. What do you want to do?" I was like, "We got to get in the car. We have to drive to St. Louis because that's where where I worked." I was like, "I just I have to get out of here." I felt claustrophobic and closed in. I need to sleep on a couch. <laughs> well, I didn't want to do that. That was that could go away. But I was like that literally is probably the best thing that happened in my career was having to drive that. Uh I spent I would get off work and when you know you know that problem that you don't want to put away, but ultimately you're like, I gotta get home and you put it away. Well, I still had two hours in the car alone thinking about that problem. I would get home. So do you think it's the the drive that would give you the because usually you have to put it away actually put it away for it to come back for you to see the answer well when you when i was driving you know the thoughts are are kind of free-flowing and you're i'm not intentionally thinking about it so it's not it's not like sitting at the keyboard and trying to figure it out or at a whiteboard and trying to figure it out there's a whole lot of other things going on you know i'm thinking about like oh what time am i going to be home do i need to stop at this rest area, pick up a soda out of the soda machine. Where else can I spend my money on the way home? Dairy Queen. Yeah. Can I go to Dairy Queen on the way home? Cause I definitely need a blizzard. <laughs> um, so th- there's a lot going on. So y- you do put it away, but when you're sitting there alone, I think we all think about that problem in the back of our head, but I had nobody else trying to talk to me. And then I would I would get up in the morning and head back with that same problem in my head. And I get to work and I had thought through like every little minute detail. And I would start telling people about, oh, well, I think we can solve it this way. And they'd say, well, what about this? And it wasn't that I, I rarely had to sit back and think about whatever their question was because I had already had that question while driving in the car. It was really unfair to them because I spent four hours, six hours thinking about this problem while they went home and tried to chase kids around and take kids to soccer practice and stuff like that. And I was just driving in a car silent. It may be the worst thing that ever happened to my children. I don't know. I haven't talked to them about it, but. (laughs) As someone who grew up uh, with uh, a father who traveled for work, like from the ages of eight to 18, um, it was fine. Mm -hmm. You didn't ruin their lives. They're all right. Oh, good. All right. Good. (laughs) Because if anything, it made the time that we had with him more special and like it was more valuable and we had less moments of, I hate you. 
um, things like that. You know, I have five kids yeah. and I think that really the only time that they hated me was in their like pubescent years. I was going to <laughs> say that your youngest is what? 13 turning 14. Mm-hmm. So we're, yeah. we're entering, we're entering. I have mm-hmm. a 14 year old, two 15 year olds and two 21 year olds. That all sounds oh scary to me. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I would, I would like to say that as a 15 and 16 and 17 year old, I was a, an absolute nightmare. So I am so happy. Um, none of you knew me back then. <laughs> I feel for you. I look at my son now and, you know, I can empathize with, with like going through puberty and you could not pay me to go back through that. Like, I don't care how much money there is no way. Cause because I didn't realize how bad it was till I'm watching him go through it. And I'm like, oh, I remember that. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. you lo- Looking back at pictures of yourself in like middle school. Oh, yeah. Absolutely not. Absolutely Just not. Out the window. We don't have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I look about the same, I've been told, except for I had a mullet. I do. <laughs> yeah. I look the same. I think I had a... It wasn't a bowl cut, but it was as close to a bowl cut as you could get without being that. Was your hair curly still? Uh, if so, if you like, however long it was, was exactly the length right before it starts to curl. Ah, uh, so I didn't actually know I had super duper curly hair until I started letting it grow out. <laughs> so in the last year and a half, you've learned this. Wow. Bowl cut in junior high. So you're probably a, a couple years younger than me then. Because that was like fourth and fifth grade for me. It was when bowl cuts were super popular. And I have those pictures at home too. They're scary. <laughs> we did a recent we did a recent Smart Logic happy hour where we submitted baby photos and had to guess who was who. And that was real fun because we, we mix up some people. Um, I think I submitted a few where I had a bowl cut. I can't remember, but they were all ridiculous facial expressions. Ridiculous. <laughs> uh Gotta love those old photos. You should do a, another live stream show and just bring out baby photos of every guest that you have. They have to bring a baby photo. Yeah. Okay. I That'd love this awesome. idea. Absolutely. I'm in. I right. love this idea. <laughs> I have a picture of me in eighth grade around the corner right now, sitting on the floor that I've been meaning to hang up on my mm-hmm. Disney wall. As you so noted, Amos, because it's of me and my friends in eighth grade writing Splash Mountain. And we were like, let's be cool and I'll make us the same pose. Of course. Is this um, when Scared Alex appeared? This isn't. You Scared Alex appeared. No, in- no, no, no. Scared Alex did not appear until about uh, 20 years of age. Okay. Um, so this was when I was like 14, I guess. Mm-hmm. But we're all we're all doing like the scream face, right? Like hands on the side. Um, and I, I'm sure we just thought we were so cool. We're all wearing matching t-shirts because we're in eighth grade on a field trip. Nobody was cool. That's the thing. Like there are people who think that they were cool, but nobody was cool. If anybody takes anything away from this podcast episode, it's that none of us were cool. And this is holding up a picture that I'm thinking is a baby photo, but these cameras do not want to do this. <laughs> we will. Yeah, I saw it. Just super blown out. But um, we will definitely have to do a, a baby elixir wizards live stream. Featuring literally everyone, because <laughs> I want everyone's baby photo. Baby Amazing. wizards. Yeah. yeah. Baby wizards. I already can yeah. see the branding on it. Yeah. I mean, you guys hear it here first. Live stream coming soon. <laughs> I love this idea. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, so much. Um, Amos, as we're wrapping up, do you have any plugs or asks, requests uh, for the audience? Anything at all? No, Advice. this is all my natural hair. I have no plugs. None whatsoever. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, we know you don't have hair plugs. Perfect. But do you have any <laughs> final thoughts or advice or asks or anything for anybody? You know, we, we're uh, at Binary Noggin looking looking for some work. If you'd like to work alongside Connor, like you got some hardware projects, that would be awesome. You can get a hold of us at contact at binarynoggin.com. And if you're bored, you can go listen to the second best Elixir podcast, uh, The Elixir Outlaws. We've wow. got the eyes emojis going on over here. <laughs> you all heard it here first, folks. You all heard it here first. <laughs> the like eyes to the side emoji. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's everybody right now. Amos, I know that the theme of this season started with you. So thank you for being our finale guest. Hey, thank you for having me. I'd love to come back. Maybe next time we'll have better internet and I won't get cut off. <laughs> yeah. And, and babies, baby wizards. Baby wizards and internet. Babies. Perfect. That'll be the goal. <laughs> well, I'm going to do a, um, I don't even, well, I'll do it an outlaw-ish style outro for us, I suppose, because it's our finale and you're here and you are an outlaw. And I think today we're all outlaws. So that's it for this episode and this season. Amos, once again, thank you for joining us. Elixir Wizards is a Smart Logic production. Today's hosts include myself, as always, Sunday Mint, and uh, our lovely producer, Eric Ostrich. We also get some production assistance from Michelle McFadden and Ashley Stotts. The executive producer is the fabulous Rosebird. We at SmartLogic build custom web and mobile software, and we are always looking to take on new projects. We work in Elixir, Rails, and React, Kubernetes, and React Native. So if you need a piece of custom software, don't forget to hit like, subscribe, and leave a review. You can follow at SmartLogic on Twitter for news and episode announcements. And you can also join us on the Elixir Wizards Discord. Just head on over to the podcast page to find the link. Thank you, everyone, for joining us during this season six journey. We hope you've enjoyed the discussions about the theme. Maybe you've learned something new, taken something away. Maybe you've started doing your own research into the theme or you're picking up Erlang. Whatever you've taken away, it's been a blast having you all along. So stay tuned for news and announcements on Season 7. Mm-hmm.